Radio 1 91FM podcast. Right now on the line from um, deep in South Otago, I'm joined by Associate Professor uh, Ariant uh, Finita. Morena to you. Good morning. Morning. How are we today? Oh, not bad. Marvellous. But we... <laughs> no doubt that rain will be coming north, so we'll have it soon. Um, you're an associate professor from the University of Paris. Uh, your latest uh, book, uh, which you co-authored, uh, The Pocket, A Hidden History of Women's Lives from 1660 through to 1900, um, out on Yale University Press uh, earlier this year. Um, what brings you to New Zealand first? Well, um, I guess my partner is a Kiwi. Ah. Um, so we... And I'm on, I'm on a research leave at the moment, so he's kind of pushed his workload a little bit to the side so we could come and spend three months with his family and get the girls in um, school here. So that's what we're doing. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Um, I, first, I guess the first question for uh, people of a modern age is, um, what is a tie-on pocket? Okay, so um, for about two centuries, for from the end at least to the set of the 17th century to the end of the 19th century, women did not have integrated pockets, pockets as we know them, sewn into the seams of their dresses. Where they had instead was these kind of bags that kind of tear-shaped, they're mm-hmm. a bit of an odd shape, they're like oblong, sometimes tear-shaped, and that usually have an opening down the front, a vertical opening down the front, mm-hmm. and then they're attached to um, um, string or tape, um, and there can be just one, a single, or a pair attached to the same piece of tape. And then you would tie them around your waist, and then you had access because in women's um, dresses you had openings in the side seams of the of their dresses, and you could have access to the pockets through the openings on your dress. Mm, so it's like a, a pocket with with no pocket having yeah, access to a pocket. Yeah, it's detachable pocket. <laughs> yeah, pockets yeah. you can take on and off. Very good. Um, and I, I guess we kind of take pockets for granted now, um, but they're you know, one of the most used and useful inventions uh, in human history, I guess, if, <laughs> you know, if you look Just at it that way. Wheel. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, um, you, you always notice that you need one when you don't have one, right? Yeah, it's, um, it's like the Empire's pocket, right? You have everything yeah. you need. You should have everything you need in your pocket. Um, yeah, uh, it's... Uh, I suppose women today will tell you that they are suffering from pocket discrimination because they don't have enough pockets or enough useful pockets in their clothing. So although we, well, I guess we take them for granted, but then we get angry when we don't have, we have diminutive pockets or Mm. even fake pockets in some women's garments. You have kind of pretend pockets, which usually get women quite rise up when they discover they can't actually put anything in there. but obviously pockets are so useful because you just carry everything you need. It leaves your hands free. And the pockets we studied, they're really capacious. Like could, you could like put quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, there could be, um, on average, they're kind of 40 centimeters deep. Now, to just give you yeah, a, wow. a comparison, uh, last year there was an interesting study that was made uh, in America and put on a website called The Pudding, and it compared um, the average jeans pockets of men and women. Mm-hmm. And so they found that in kind of high street brands, um, the average size of a woman's pocket was, I think, uh, uh, six or 15 centimeters deep. 
Um, so this to compare with 40 centimeter deep pockets, you know, that's kind of almost yeah. three times as deep. Um, so they're, they're, and they were really also practical because they didn't pull on your clothing because they were under your clothing so that it, you know, it didn't have nasty strain or, or pull marks on your outside clothes. Yeah, so it wasn't weighing anything down either. It was just whatever uh, was attached to it underneath. Um, you know, with that modern thing, I mean, it's weird. I mean, is that an expectation for a woman to have a bag? Or when it comes to, I guess, high street, it's like leading to you to need to buy a bag as well? So that's that's usually, I guess, on social media, you see a lot of things about why women's clothing doesn't have proper pockets. And there's a bit of a conspiracy theory out there that this is to force women to have to buy expensive handbags. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure I, I believe that's in that theory, but it's out there. Uh, but I do think that, you know, having your hands free is, it is uh, uh, freedom, you know, it mm. is not having to carry anything in your hand is. And um, it's interesting because at the end of the 19th century, when our types of the pockets we studied kind of were phased out gradually and they were improperly replaced by the so-called modern pockets, so the pockets in the garment, women kept complaining that these were not practical, they were too small, dressmakers were putting them in kind of um, impractical positions, you could never tell where your pocket was, um, and then it was compounded by now having to carry a handbag, and it was, this was contrasted with the freedom of just having what they, what was then normal pockets, the pockets of their mothers kind of thing, the, the old-fashioned pockets, which may have been old-fashioned and a bit unsightly, but they were actually quite practical. Mm, mm, they sound very practical. Now, men's pockets began to be sewn in in the 17th century, uh, but not women's. Why? Do we know why? Well, um, I think it's to do with the training of the people who made the garments. Uh, men's garments were made, it was, you know, the way uh, things were made was quite regulated in Europe, so you had corporations and guilds. Um, sort of saying what you're allowed to make and sell and what you're not allowed to make and sell. Um, so uh, men's garments were made by tailors and they were kind of um, a guild, a registered type of corporation mm-hmm. uh, with the training and you know you had to do your apprenticeship and then you became a master tailor and everything. So it was quite regulated with women's, uh, the people making women's dresses were dressmakers and they belonged to no corporation. So there was no formal training for dressmakers. And I think as part of the training of, of tailors, it was just, you know, the ropes you, you put in pockets that yeah. what you made, you were taught to do, so you carried on. So, uh, and for instance, in the 18th century, there are some garments for men, for women, sorry, that are made by tailors. For instance, riding habits, so what women wore when they were on horseback. Mm. And these, interestingly enough, they had pockets because they were made by men um, who, you know, that's what their routine, you make a suit, you you put pockets in, whereas women dressmakers didn't do that. I think there's also another reason, which is um, that uh, dresses, women's dresses in the 18th, 17th, 18th century, um, the fabric of women, of the fabric at the time was really the most expensive element of your dress. Mm. not the tailoring so much or not the sewing so you did not want to ruin the fabric too much yeah you wanted to preserve it to be able to recycle it 
um, and therefore women's dresses they were often made with quite loose stitches so that they could easily be refashioned, be kept up to date, ah. uh, adapted to the latest. So you didn't really want cuts or areas of strain or wear. Uh, you wanted to preserve the fabric as much as you could, so I think that's another reason, probably. And I guess that would be a big thing when um, when cotton started to replace linen as well, right? Because cotton would have been quite expensive at the time. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Cotton was not necessarily expensive. It was very fancy and desirable. Uh, Indian cotton would have been more expensive than the kind of imitations they started making. Um, uh, but um, it, it did... Uh, it's more towards the 19th century when the, like, the textile production really boomed that cotton uh, kind of uh, you know, <laughs> made it a, a big entrance mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. wardrobes. Um, now, how did pockets develop over time? You know, I mean, as, as the world developed, I guess, as cities developed public spaces, uh, more, and people, more and more people were traveling, you know, colonization uh, throughout the 17th and 18th century. How, how did the pocket develop with the development of, of um, human lives? Okay, so um, well, there's uh, pockets that adapt to, obviously, what men and women need, and one of the theories among dress historians why women had started having these capacious pockets is uh, to do with the increasing mobility of women, the fact that, you know, they're not just at home making needlework, um, they also need to go out and to carry things that they might need. Um, there's also another interesting development of the pockets towards the very end of a period in the 19th century as uh, train travel, uh, the railway develops in Britain and then kind of more, uh, you know, sort of uh, colonial travel also develops. Uh, you have a new form of pocket, which is a kind of evolved pocket because it's 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 called a traveling pocket mm -hmm. it's made of really stout material usually really um you know webbing uh, quite hard webbing material or even suede or leather it's got a clasp pass and it's not meant to be easily accessed it's a little bit like a, tr a travel pouch that yeah. sometimes we use um and it's advertised as something um uh, alongside other baggage or luggage for, for distant travel, uh, something that you would put under your skirt for anything that you don't really need to keep at hand, but you need to have with you when you travel, like the, the essentials mm. today, your passport, your bank cards and all that. Uh, how, I mean, how did you go about studying these? Are there many examples that still survive today? Uh, you know, and, and where did you get your information from? How, how deep did you have to go? Yeah, well, we had to dig quite deep um, because pockets are just so taken for granted, as you were saying, mm. that people don't really talk much about their pockets. They're just, you know, the most you're going to find is I put something in my pocket, but it doesn't really tell you much. Uh, it doesn't tell you what type of pocket they're talking about for a start. Um, and um, so we, we, we had to look at a combination of different sources because what we wanted to do really in the book is not so much write a history of the pocket form but more how this particular form of pocket kind of shapes the lives and practices of women um, so it's more like a social and cultural history of women to some extent and what this pocket 
what role these pockets plays in their life in terms of mobility, their access to privacy, to their relationship to possession and consumption. And to do that, we had to kind of have quite lots of different sources. So we have written sources, uh, but often it's a bit of a, because they're not expensive, they're not listed in inventories or wills because they, they cost very little usually. Um, so that you can't have a systematic approach like you would have for possession of carpets, for instance, which are expensive, or looking glasses, where, you know, people would list that systematically in their inventories or their wills. Um, so it's kind of more random when you find the, in those type of sources. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also looked at, uh, and that's a big chunk of our sources, at actual pockets, um, in British collections, because my co-author Barbara Berman is uh, British, and mm-hmm. we centered the focus. We, the focus of the study was Britain, um, and uh, so we looked at, uh, in general, uh, overall, we have uh, now 392 pockets. Wow! Um, and that's what we call our survey or a material database, uh, and these are all pockets we saw in the flesh, if I may say, mm-hmm. photographed and documented in collections across the UK, both private and public. Um, and so that's quite a, a, a large, it's not just illustrative, it's not just a few pockets to make the look pretty, they're actually treated as proper sources uh, that sometimes tells us information that the written documents don't tell us about, like how they're made, for instance. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah. The practices of mending, or and you have nothing like that in written documentation. Nobody is really telling you about mending. Uh, uh, and the other, the last type of so- important sources we looked at, which are also interesting, is the court cases. Yeah. Uh, so pickpockets and shoplifters and, you know, what licit or illicit goods you would put in your pocket. <laughs> That's interesting. And I guess they're so big you could put so many things in there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> the most uh, random thing we found was this woman called Jane Griffiths and she tried to run away with two ducks two um, t- in her pocket. <laughs> she was caught. Yeah, obviously. Somehow had managed to fit the duck. Fit two ducks. Two live ducks? Two live ducks. Two yeah. live ducks in her pocket. That's amazing. That's amazing. I'm just trying to see it in a modern context. It doesn't. Yeah, try and fit that in your jeans pocket. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, this is absolutely fascinating. And have you um, found, did you find any examples at the Otago Museum or uh, is there any examples in New Zealand you've looked yeah, at? Yeah, well, since I've been here, I, I, I guess I've used my time to write but also to do some uh, research on a new project, but also I guess I can't really get over pockets. So yeah. <laughs> I, I'm always going to ask her. By the way, do you have a pocket? Yeah, yeah. I saw one in uh, Auckland in the um, in Motat. Yeah. Um, and they have a nice, actually quite nice, unusual example. Uh, it's, super, it's probably uh, Kiwis, probably New Zealand, from the end of the 19th century. So machine made, machine stitched. Mm. Um, so I saw one there, and uh, just yesterday I was giving a paper at the Otago Museum, but in the morning I was looking at some of their items, and they also have a pocket, a 19th century, but hand-stitched this time. Nice, nice, fascinating, fascinating. Um, do, just finally, when and why do they fall out of favour? Aha. Uh-huh. Now that's a big question um, that I have no strict answer to, but I can give you pointers or elements. Um, 
basically the pocket was called unfashionable and antiquated for half of its life for most of the 19th century it was called antiquated and there were fashion magazines that kind of wrote obituaries for the pocket saying oh you know we used to have pockets but now we have reticules which were kind of little handbags uh, but our sources show that this didn't completely happen the way the fashion magazine said uh, but gradually in the 19th century there were all these alternatives that were sort of pushed onto women and although the pocket survived uh, despite these um, competitors competitors um, gradually uh, they as women's styles became more fitted more masculine in a way as well uh, then the dressmakers started integrating these pockets the new modern pockets but they were impractical uh, and then this is when you started having the whole discourse about we want pocket equality and uh, like this which came together with the suffrage interestingly enough mm. Um, it's the suffrage, there's a, you know, a whole suffrage discourse about the lack of pockets or proper pockets in women's clothing. So you're thinking oh, that that must be that they didn't have those pockets because, you know, that there were big pockets. And then you, when women get the suffrage, there's a really nice source um, of a, uh, a British artist who remembers her childhood. And she says, um, oh, you know, we have the suffrage now, but we still don't have practical pockets and I remember the pockets of when I was young and she means those big baggy pockets and you know what holds I used to be able to put in them <laughs> Fantastic, fantastic Well thank you so much for joining us today Thank you um, The book The Pocket, A Hidden History of Women's Lives from 1660 through to 1900 is out on Yale University Press uh, and if you want to know uh, a quick video about why women's pockets suck, which stars you um, there's one out with uh, on Vox uh, you can find that on their YouTube page which is, is quite good um, Once again, thank you so much uh, Enjoy the rest of your time here in Aotearoa uh, and down in um, South Otago, hopefully um, the sun will come out for you today <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it warms up. Thank you. All right, thank you so bye much. Bye. bye. All right, that book, as I said, is out uh, now on Yale University Press, The Pocket, A Hidden History of Women's Lives. Um, fascinating how one thing, just like uh, a pocket, um, has so much rich uh, history uh, and can tell so many tales um, about um, the lives of people, especially the lives of women uh, in that time. That was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.